From the University of Salford, this is Utter Radio. Now you're talking. Hello and welcome to the podcast Who Done It with me, Hattie Porteous. The podcast where I discuss and delve into the facts of murder cases solved and unsolved from around the world. This is Utter Radio. So first of all, I'd just like to say hello and welcome to the first episode of my podcast Who Done It. Now today we're going to be discussing a British case. This is also a solved case and it is the murders of Sean O'Callaghan and Rebecca Godden. Now this is such, such a sad story. And it first came to light for me when I watched the ITV drama A Confession. Now, many people might have seen this. It was on a few months ago now. It featured quite a few famous actors, including Martin Freeman. And this was basically a drama featured around the true case of these murders. Um, Definitely worth watching. I think it's still on ITV Player. But yeah, it just, it really interested me. This case, as well as a murder case, it also has a bit of a twist due to kind of police intervention. There's a lot that seems to go wrong and this seems to kind of form the case. I mean, we'll get into the facts in a minute. So I've got lots of sheets of paper in front of me. I'm basically just going to be discussing the case and at the end just discussing what I think. It all starts on the 19th of March in 2011. So 22-year-old Sean O'Callaghan, a personal assistant from Swindon, was on a night out with her friends. They were in the Suju nightclub in Swindon. And this was basically a short distance from the flat that she lived in with her boyfriend, Kevin. So Sean decided to go home in the early hours of the morning, something that was just very normal, apparently. Sometimes she called it a night early. She left alone. Her boyfriend kind of wanted to go with her, but she didn't want to make a fuss. She was like, no, no, I just want to go home. I want to go to bed. So she left to walk back to her flat in Swindon. As I say, I think it was about a 10 minute walk, 10, 15 minute walk, so it really wasn't far at all. So Sean was shown on CCTV from the nightclub walking out and onto the main road. Um, She was walking down this road, which obviously led to the flat. And the CCTV followed her into a set of car lights. If you watch the ITV drama, they use the real clips from all, all the evidence and things, which is really great to watch. Um, But she basically, she walks into these flashing lights, which are obviously car lights. And this car is stationary for, I think it's about a minute and four seconds. And then when the lights go, Sean can no longer be seen on that CCTV footage. Her boyfriend sent her a text saying he was worried. He obviously had come back from the night out a few hours later and Sean wasn't in the flat. At 9.45 a.m., the next morning, he reported Sean missing. That was her boyfriend, Kevin. So Kevin first got in contact with Sean's brother and police came to the house and Sean, Sean's brother and Kevin were both interviewed in separate rooms. And Sean's brother said this is when he started to think maybe maybe something's happened. So Wiltshire Police then started a missing person inquiry. Now, a missing person inquiry includes gaining access to bank details, hospitals, phone records, to basically just try and discover something or anything that had happened. But the trace was cold and they found nothing, no bank account, no phone records, just nothing that they could find that really showed any evidence. So this is when they brought in Steve Fulcher. Now, he is a massive part of this case. He was described as one of the brightest detectives in the Wiltshire force, and this is why they brought him in. He was meant to be really good with families and minds and getting into people's heads, really. So the search then started to pick up and a telephone trace was found. So the text that the boyfriend had sent to Sean, as I discussed earlier, I think this was in the early hours of the morning, I think maybe three, I think it was 324. 
and he'd text her to say he was worried. Now, a trace was found from Sean's phone when this text had been picked up. It hadn't been read, it hadn't been replied to, but they could tell from phone records that the text had been received by her phone. So this was traced to Savanac Forest, which was a huge forest in the Swindon area, apparently. And it was a car distance from the nightclub in the time frame. By the time Sean had left the club and by the time the text had been received, there was no way that she could have walked this distance. She would have had to be in a car. Now, all throughout the case, and this is a very important fact to keep in mind, Steve Fulcher wanted to assume that Sean was alive. He knew that if he thought she was alive, it was going to give him the best chance to find her. When that trace had been found, a huge search of the Savanac Forest begins, which was over a six and a half mile radius. It is a huge, huge forest. But people came out in force, the whole town, you know, it was going mad on all social media. It was crazy, everyone said, the amount of people that came out to search the forest. But very sadly, there was no leads found. So police then decided that they needed to go back to CCTV footage because this was the only main evidence. This is when they discovered that clip of her walking out and then the flashing lights. You know, they had to presume that she'd got in the car. As I said, the car was stationary put for 1.4 minutes. When the lights went and obviously the car drove away, Sean was no longer seen. They then knew that they needed to really look into this car, try and find out what it was. So they got a specialist make and model team within the police to identify the car. They quickly found that it was a Toyota Evensis, I think it is, a 2007 version. They then started to look at other CCTV footage around the area and they found one clip which showed a square on the side of the car, which they kind of knew instantly indicated a taxi. Police cars from around the area that had their cameras on or whatever you call it, I'm not really sure, but they had basically picked up this Toyota Aventis as well and that's how they received a number plate. So this number plate belonged to Christopher Hallowell. He was a local taxi driver in Swindon. He had two daughters, a wife and a son and he did not seem like an obvious suspect at all and this is when the police started to think maybe she was just getting in a taxi but obviously it didn't make sense because her flat was walking distance so the police then searched into taxi logs they gained access to all of these this is when it really became clear that this case was something quite serious so christopher halliwell had booked off work as a taxi driver to go home at 1 a.m on the 19th of march but he didn't go home because he was seen around swindon 90 minutes later with sean now, this was very strange because he'd obviously booked time to go off and then he was seen later on hanging around these clubs in his car and he obviously couldn't have been doing taxi jobs because this would have had to be recorded. So Christopher Hallowell was put under surveillance. This search became quite hard, apparently, because obviously he's a taxi driver, he's constantly in his car, so it required a lot, a lot of undercover work. In the days and hours after, he was seen putting missing posters of Sean in the back of his car in his boot, which seemed very, very strange, and the team surveying it were very confused by this. But they thought, obviously, he if he had anything to do with this case, he needed to make it look like he he was, you know, he was joining in with the general public. These posters were everywhere. You know, specialists were kind of thinking, is he putting them in the boot of his car because he's guilty? He doesn't want to see them in his windows. He was also seen cleaning his car with blue liquid. He was seen throwing away things and he was seen burning items. So basically destroying evidence. So Steve Fulcher, 
as I said before, the main detective on this case. He then had enough evidence to arrest Christopher Hallowell on suspicion of kidnap, but he decided not to. This is because he thought that carrying on surveying Chris Hallowell might make him lead them to Sean. He thought maybe he'd drive back to wherever she was, wherever she might be being kept. Steve Fulcher knew if he arrested Christopher Hallowell now, he knew he wouldn't talk, he knew he would make no comment. Steve Fulcher, in his mind, he wanted to keep Sean alive, he wanted her to be alive, and he knew if he arrested him straight away, that chance was going to slip further and further away. So, skipping on a bit, Sean had now been missing four days and the window for finding her alive was closing. Christopher Hallowell was still under surveillance, but, you know, he just seemed to be carrying on with his normal jobs. Obviously, there was this strange behaviour of throwing things away, but he wasn't driving them to anywhere particular. He was just on the books, carrying on with all the jobs he'd been given. So, Steve Fulcher then decided to release certain information to trap Halliwell. Now, he knew, obviously, he's a tax driver, he knew he would be listening to the radio. And so, basically, the police started releasing certain information on the radio. Basically, lines like information being found from Sean's phone, um, certain things like the police are very close to finding the kidnapper. And they thought that this might, you know, freak Halliwell out and that he might go and lead them to something in particular. But later that day, still under surveillance, Christopher Halliwell was followed going to a pharmacy and he bought a huge amount of paracetamol, which was obviously enough to end his life. The police then had no choice but to arrest Christopher Hallowell. They knew that if he did commit suicide, it was the end of Sean. It would have basically been bad police conduct to watch, obviously to watch someone buying these tablets and to not intervene. This is where the case gets a little bit complicated. And as I say, this is when all the police confusion and everything gets involved. So the rules follow. This is a very basic overview. When someone is arrested, they are cautioned, they are taken back to a station and they are given the choice to access a lawyer. So Christopher Hallowell was arrested under suspicion of kidnap. He wasn't immediately cautioned and this is where it all seems to go very, very wrong. He wasn't cautioned and in an ideal case, he would have been taken back to the station and, as, as I say, given access to a lawyer and then interviewed. But the police can basically implement this thing called an urgent interview. This can happen if police think someone's life can be saved urgently. So this is basically where the police can answer questions kind of immediately rather than taking them back to a station. This is what Steve Fulcher did. So they sat him in the car after they had arrested him and Steve Fulcher asked Christopher Hallowell, is Sean alive? And he replied, no comment. At that point, Steve should have cautioned him and taken him in. That was kind of as far as the urgent interview protocol would go. He'd ask him a question, he'd try to get something out of him, but he clearly wasn't going to comply. Steve knew, however, that if he took him back to the station, there would be nothing gained. He knew he was going to carry on this no comment. And so he made the decision to extend the urgent interview. Obviously, the police are in contact with people way above them. Steve Fortune was in contact with his boss and... This was a decision that Steve Fulcher seemed to make very individually. It wasn't something that was agreed by a big team. So Steve thought in his own mind that the most likely place that Sean may have been taken was near to Barbary Castle. So this was basically a really, really remote area. I think it's where murders and kidnaps have happened before. So Steve was just going off his own intuition and thinking that he might have taken Sean there. So Steve decided to get a team to drive Christopher Halliwell to Barbary Castle and when they got there he took him out of the car. Now Deborah Peach was someone who worked with Steve Fulcher. 
she recorded everything that that happened in her notes, everything that was said, and this was basically so it could be used in court if it ever needed to be. So Steve Fulcher took Christopher Halliwell out of the car and he asked where Sean was. Christopher Halliwell replied and said, I want to go back to the station. It was very clear Chris Halliwell was determined to make no comment. Steve Fulcher now decided to kind of say to Christopher Halliwell, if he helped the police identify where Sean was, he would be less ripped by the media. Now, this is a very, very important bit of the case and it's something that we'll come back on to later because obviously some people can see that this is Steve Fulcher threatening Halliwell. He was trying to help him, really, and he was trying to say, you know, if you help us now, the media will be less unkind to you because they know that you've led us to the body. Christopher Halliwell then said, so you think I did it? And Steve Fulcher replied, I know you did it. Christopher Halliwell, after a few minutes of silence, then said to Steve Fulcher, have you got a car? We'll go. Now, at this point, Steve Fulcher is breaking all, all of the rules. You know, at this point, he should have been back at a station. He should have been given access to a lawyer. This is now three hours after the arrest. And Christopher Halliwell led them to a place called Uffington, which was 15 miles from Barbary Castle, where Steve Fulcher had taken him in the car. Christopher Halliwell then told them to slow down. They were on a, mer- a remote road with a 12-foot bank to the left. And he said immediately, I pushed her down the bank. Steve at that point was about to take him back to the station because he knew then that he'd kind of, he knew then that they had an area to search. Halliwell, however, then said to Steve Vulcher, you and I should have a chat. A team of police was sent to the location where Christopher Halliwell had pointed out as to where Sean was down that bank. Steve Vulcher then decided to drive to a country track so that they could have this chat. Now, Deborah Peach also followed. Obviously, she was recording everything. They were on this very, very remote track. And Deborah Peach admitted that she thought he was going to run away. Um, and she was kind of looking around the area thinking, oh, my God, this guy is going to escape. What are we going to do? But Steve Fulcher thought that Christopher Halliwell was going to say, like, please help me. What's going to happen to my family and everything? But what he actually said is very disturbing and it's very sad and it shocked everyone that was stood there listening. Christopher Halliwell then turned and said to Steve Fulcher, do you want another one? And Steve Fulcher replied, are you sure you want to be telling me this? It was then clear that whatever he had done or whatever had happened to Sean was not the first case. Christopher Halliwell then described how he couldn't remember the exact year, but he said either in 2003, 2004 or 2005, he had taken a prostitute from Manchester Road in Swindon. He told Steve that he could take them to the exact spot where he'd left her. Now, as we know, Steve Fulcher is already breaking so, so many laws. But against all these laws, he decided to go with Halliwell. Now, it's it's very arguable as to what you would do in this situation. Steve knew that if he took Chris back to the station now, he knew that he wouldn't talk. He knew he wouldn't say anything. And I think he was just going off instincts, which I'm sure we do if someone said that to you. As a police officer, you would know that you need to investigate. It was now four hours after the arrest and it was a further 35-minute drive to this location where Christopher Halliwell said that he had left another girl. Still, no caution had been made, as I said, four hours after the arrest. The case for Steve Fulcher, 
he obviously he had the urgent interview protocol which was fine to follow and then he went further and further with that and he was breaking more rules that was all because he knew that sean might be alive because it had only been days since she had been taken by christopher but the case of finding this other girl was very weak because she couldn't be alive after all that time and he should have taken him back to the station steve fulcher thought he might never find out what another one or who another one was so they drove all this way and they were in a very very remote area and christopher halliwell like he had done with sean told them to slow down from the dip in the wall he walked a certain amount of steps and he stopped and he said to the police she's under here steve then said to halliwell how did you finish it and he admitted that he had strangled her now, finally, at this point, Steve told Halliwell he needed to come back to the station and say it all again. And this is when he finally cautioned Christopher Halliwell. Christopher Halliwell then said to Fulcher, I don't want to say it all again. And Steve said to Christopher, you know, you're going to have to. You're going to have to say these confessions again with a lawyer in an interview. He was then driven back to the station and on the way back, Steve Fulcher got a call from the search team to say they had found the body of Sean and she was dead cause of death was stabbing. This now became a double murder investigation. 12 days after the arrest, remains of 29-year-old Rebecca Godden were found in the second place that Christopher Halliwell had taken them to. Her mum had not seen her since 2002. It was now 2011 when her body had been found. She was a drug addict and a prostitute, and the story of this is very, very sad. Rebecca was a struggling drug addict and she had quite a poor relationship with her mum. The mum and the whole family had really tried to keep her clean. They'd given her so much help, they'd brought her in, tried to help her. But Rebecca had left in 2002 and said that it wasn't fair on the mum anymore and that she needed to sort her life out and that she would be back. And every single year on her birthday, they lit a candle on her cake for her to come back to. Every time the doorbell went on her birthday, her mum might think it was her and they really, they never ever gave up hope. This investigation is way, way underway now, but problems then began to occur. Halliwell was answering no comment to everything. He denied all the confessions that he had said to Steve Fulcher and this really shocked Steve Fulcher, you know, that he could suddenly admit all this so openly and then suddenly deny it all. Now, without the proof of the confessions, Halliwell would walk free at trial. Even though, as I said, Deborah Peach had been recording all of this on paper, everything that had been said, without the confessions, there really wasn't much evidence to place Steve Fulcher at the scene of either one of the crimes. The investigation carried on. Sean's blood was discovered on the seat of Christopher Halliwell's taxi. DNA from him was found on Sean's body, which was obviously enough evidence to prove that he was the one who had murdered Sean. Now, very sadly, in Becky's case, there was literally no evidence. She had obviously been left there for years and years, and so it was very hard for search teams, forensics, to find any evidence on the body of her that could connect her to Christopher Halliwell. Sadly, Becky's case was then dropped. The family of Becky were obviously absolutely distraught. They had no justice, but they were very, very strongly on Steve Fulcher's side because they knew that if he hadn't gone against all this protocol, that their daughter would not have been found. So in 2012, in 2012 there was a trial against Christopher Halliwell for the murder of Sean O'Callaghan, and he was sentenced for life. He escaped, however, any charges for Becky. 
The media then very strongly began to rip into the police, saying that this was all wrong, that it was completely against the law what Steve Fulcher had done. Obviously, the only reason the evidence and the confessions that Halliwell had admitted about killing Becky, the reason they couldn't be used is because Steve Fulcher hadn't been cautioned. But then on the other side, which is the massive argument in this case, if Christopher Halliwell had straight away been taken back to the police, cautioned and given a lawyer, it's a very strong argument that he would never have admitted to killing Becky Godden and her body would still not have been found. Fulcher was then charged with gross misconduct and he decided to resign. Now this case completely destroyed Fulcher's life. It destroyed all his finances, all of his reputation. So this then leads us to a few years later. Obviously in 2012, Christopher Halliwell had been given a life sentence for the murder of Sean O'Callaghan. However, years later, through the ongoing fight by Becky's family to sign petitions, you know, get everyone involved just to try and reopen this case, the case was in fact reopened. Halliwell was questioned again by the police for the murder of Becky Godden. Christopher Halliwell offered a confession for the murder of Becky if police would agree to leave him alone and never question him again. This was obviously something that the police couldn't offer and so no confession was given. The case was reopened though and further investigations and evident further investigations and searches into belongings of Christopher Halliwell his whole house um, were brought about. This is when this this is when a spade was found in the house of Christopher Halliwell which is a very frustrating fact because it had obviously been there the whole time and perhaps at the time when police were investigating Sean O'Callaghan's murder they really you know they should have they should have looked at all these things. So as I say, a spade was found and this spade had soil on which free forensics could be linked to the exact same field that Rebecca Godden was found, which obviously placed Halliwell at the field of Becky's body. This then meant that Christopher Halliwell could be brought back to court and in 2016 he was put on trial for the murder of Becky Godden. Steve Fulcher was brought back in to discuss the com- confessions further, which could now be used in court because further evidence had been found, so they were a crucial part of this case. Um, Christopher Halliwell, however, in the case, tried to turn it all on Steve Fulcher, saying that he made the whole thing up because he knew he hadn't been cautioned and that he basically wanted to ruin Steve Fulcher's life and he knew he could do this, which seems like an absolutely ridiculous story, but it just shows the type of person that Christopher Halliwell was. Two hours into the court trial, Christopher Halliwell was found guilty for the murder of Rebecca Godden, and he was also given a life sentence. So Becky's family finally got the justice for their daughter all these years later. As I say, this was now 2016 and her body had been found in 2011. So that brings me to the end of the case. But I just kind of want to further discuss all the actions of Steve Fulcher and kind of like where the families are now. The families of Rebecca Godden and Sean O'Callaghan, you know, they both admit that they owe their lives to this man. And Becky's family are constantly trying to change all these breach laws or the pace laws. Obviously, if Steve Fulcher hadn't have done what he'd done and kind of gone against the law, their daughter may never have been found. If there was a chance that this second body could have been discovered if Steve Fulcher had broken these laws, he's obviously going to do it, you know. As a human being, you're not going to risk the chance to lose that opportunity. 
Many people as well also say that, that he obviously crossed lines, but should them lines really be there in the first case, which I think is the opinion that I agree with the most. You know, it's clear Steve Fulcher went against these laws, which he shouldn't have done. Steve Fulcher brought justice for these families, and really, should that be seen as a bad thing? I don't really agree, but Becky's family are still in contact with Steve Fulcher. They apparently have kept up a very good relationship with him, and they are still petitioning to renew and change the laws, which is basically... After the justice they got from Becky, this is what they have, you know, they've designated their life to trying to renew these laws to help anyone in the future. It's obviously clear that the PACE laws need to be looked at when you look at this case. Halliwell is obviously in prison serving the life of these sentences and Steve Fulcher very sadly will never be able to work in the UK again because of all of the charges against him. So he is now working abroad. Despite the investigations being solved, there is still an open investigation to discover if there are any further victims of Halliwell. So that brings us to the end of this case and so the end of this episode. I really hope you've gained an insight into these murders. It's obviously such a sad case, but it's one that I really wanted to discuss. As I said, you can still watch the ITV drama on iPlayer. I'd also like to know what you think, you know, if you have any information about this case, if you have any facts that maybe I haven't included, or if you have any future murders, solved or unsolved, that you'd like me to discuss. So if you'd like to get in contact with me, my name is Hattie Portius. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and just give me a contact and let me know if there's, as I say, anything you'd like me to discuss. I'm just going to end this episode with a short clip of Sean O'Callaghan's mother, um, just discussing her opinions after the court case and after justice was found. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time to discuss another murder, solved or unsolved. The devastating loss of Sean in such a brutal way is something that myself, my family, Kevin and everyone who knew Sean are learning to live with. Our lives have been changed forever as a result of a truly wonderful life being taken too soon. The overwhelming response and support continues to be of comfort to us and is great testament to Sean. She will continue to inspire and never be forgotten. As her mum, I want her to be remembered as the incredible person that she was. A heartfelt thank you to everyone for supporting and helping us get through this awful time. I would like to pay tribute to Sean's brothers and sister for their immense strength, conduct, composure, dignity and support throughout this immensely distressing time. Christopher Halliwell has, by his heinous actions, taken my vibrant daughter, young daughter's life and caused unimaginable distress. The sentence served today on Halliwell will not bring Sean back, but will mean he can't take any more. We will all endeavour to go on with our lives as Sean would have wanted. Our memories, along with their warmth and happy nature, will always be in our thoughts and hearts. That cannot be taken away from us or anyone who knew her, and we miss her.